0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Look at verse 3, 1 Samuel 7. This is, by the way, one of the most embraced things worldwide right now, is uh, a mixed syncretistic religion approach where you just take all these different gods and, and the only measure of your spiritual life becomes your sincerity. If you want the bales of the asterisk, that, that's cool. I, I don't mind. I'll scoot over a little bit. No, you saw what he did to Dagon, right? You saw what happened to the Philistines. God will not share his glory with another. The living God is not going to share his glory with dead false gods. He just won't. And if you want him to make room for that junk, he won't. If you look at the history of Israel, you get the answer to the question. God says, no, I won't share my glory because all these other gods are false gods. You shall have no... It's in the top 10, folks. In the top 10. You shall have no other gods before me with a small g. It's just not going to happen. And so we found the problem. The problem is... Idolatry. In First Thessalonians one, Paul is commending the Thessalonians. He said, "For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God." This is First Thessalonians one nine and ten. For they themselves report. uh Well, let's go back. I've got another version here. And to wait uh, for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In the New Testament, this was the same thing. People were turning from dead idols to the living God. That's what we need to do. And when you do it, it's so awesome, isn't it? When you turn from dead religion to the living God, it's life-changing. It changes everything in your life. And, and his life comes into you. And he, he shows you what true life is all about. Now look at, this is the true test of repentance. They actually did it. It says in verse 4, 1 Samuel 7, 4. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals. There's the mention of Baal and it's plural. And the Ashtaroth, plural form of Ashtaroth. And served the Lord alone. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. The Greek word is kurios and it means two lords. And by the way, the name Baal means Lord. And you can't serve two lords. And so the people, they listened to Samuel and they said, okay, we're going to get the junk out of our land. We're going to get rid of the Ashtaroth. We're going to get rid of the Baals. They seem to have been everywhere. Look at verse four. They're plural. The Baals were everywhere. Maybe multiple statues everywhere. Maybe different forms. Baal of this location. Baal of that location. And they removed it. The Lord says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land that's what israel wanted they wanted healing and they realized that there was only one place to look and that was up and to their credit they began to remove the junk that's what god is going to ask you to do by the way and it doesn't always happen overnight i think most of us here in this room can say little by little, the Lord would bring something to our attention and say, that should go, that should go. You don't want to become legalistic about things. I'm talking about things that can be neutral in life, but some people have decided to get rid of all, you know, categories of music or old movies. I don't know if you should do that or not. That's between you and the Lord. But if you have idols in your house, if you're trying to serve multiple gods and the God of the Bible... Not going to work. I was in India. I was at a hotel doing a pastor's conference and there was a hotel worker and we could not speak the same language but I just so desperately wanted to share the gospel with him. And I finally got a translator over and I shared the gospel and uh, this young man got down on his knees and he was ready to receive Jesus Christ. My friend who had done several trips to India said, um, now you understand that by receiving Jesus into your life, you are saying that all other gods are false. You understand that, right? This young man was confronted with the truth that he couldn't just add Jesus to a list of gods that might help him. He had to turn from all those other gods as false and receive Jesus as the one true God. And you could see the pull in his heart. And you could see a little bit of wrestling, but he did right there. I have an old picture with me and him standing outside this hotel. And he gave his life right there to Jesus Christ. But he had to break that cycle of thinking that he could just add God to all these other gods. And so the people did. I think the application is clear. Are there some things that you need to get rid of? Some things that may be holding you back right now some things that make you do a half turn and then you turn back to them. Look, we all wrestle with the flesh and stuff like that, but I think the more clear overt things we all realize. Samuel said, verse 5, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. Mizpah was a city in the territory of Benjamin. Benjamin will come up many times about eight miles north of Jerusalem. The city was the capital of Judah after the fall of Jerusalem, so a very prominent uh, location and so now he's called all the people together and what Israel's been longing for I think is good leadership and an intercessor and now they've got one they've got Samuel and he says look we're going to all gather at this location at Mizpah and I'm going to pray for you there and they gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out this is a libation or a drink offering instead of drinking it This was a kind of a self-denial thing. They poured it out, but it also had the the idea of pouring out their hearts before the Lord. They gathered here, the nations there. They drew the water. They poured it out before the Lord, symbolic of repentance, and fasted on that day. Anybody check your Jewish calendar? Is it Purim today? Is it the Feast of Purim? Um, The Feast of Purim is the uh, holiday where they remember Esther's brave courage to go before the king. And in 2006, we were at the Wailing Wall, and we were a little hesitant to go to the Wailing Wall, and there were some Jewish guys, and we could tell that they were Jewish by the way that they were dressed. And we, we wanted to ask, we said, is it cool if we go up to the wall? And you go, they go, if you come in peace, it's fine. And we're talking to this young man, he's about 20. We said, where are you from? He goes, I'm from New York. <laughs> we said, what are you doing here? He goes, well, I'm, I'm celebrating the Feast of Purim. He said, I haven't eaten anything or drank anything for three days. Like, wow, and eat or drink for three days. Yeah, because that's how they honor the feast. And what they honor in their fast is the fast that Esther called for right before she would take this hard step and go before the king uninvited and say and expose uh, Haman's, he was from the 70s, 60s, Haman's plot, Haman's plot. And you know, God used her in a mighty way She was courageous for such a time as this, right? She was brought into the kingdom. And she said, if I perish, I perish. And so they fasted on that day and they took ownership. They said, we have sinned, end of verse six, against the Lord. And Samuel judged, and this has the idea of him leading the nation, the sons of Israel at Mizpah. And so they poured out their hearts in repentance. They own their sin. Look, true repentance is ownership. It means I made a mistake. It's not passing the buck. We can be really good at that. True repentance says, I did this. And I want to make it right. And I'm going to uh, pour out my heart before the Lord. And you remember Ichabod in this book, The Glory of God Had Disappeared. How do you get the glory of God back in your life? Repentance, removal, ownership. And God is so quick to forgive, isn't he? He wants to bless. He he wants to pour out uh, all the blessings, ones that we can't even contain. Lamentations 2.19 says, Their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let your tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, let your eyes have no rest. Arise, cry aloud in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger at the head of every street. Lamentations is a book about lamenting at, at God's judgment. And what they are saying is, we're pouring out our tears like a drink offering before you. Now, when the Philistines heard, seven. That the sons of Israel had gathered to Mizpah. The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us. Look, they've changed. They've become humble, right? They they didn't even pray at the beginning of chapter 4 about battling the Philistines. Now they want nothing but prayer you know that your life is moving in a good direction or the life of a family or the life of a couple or the life of a nation is moving in the right direction when prayer becomes a priority. How are you doing with that? When prayer becomes a priority, you're moving in a great direction. And they said, don't stop praying, Samuel. Later in the book, Samuel would say, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And so they said, please pray. Please pray. Man, we underestimate the power of prayer, don't we? Sometimes it's just a back burner thing. It's in case of emergency, pray. No, Jesus says, pray, pray, and don't lose heart. And so they said, please cry out to him that he might save us from the hand of the Philistines. We've all gathered here, we're humbling ourselves, and isn't it always true? You begin to get serious, you get rid of the bales and the asterisks, you chuck everything, you're there praying, you're pouring out your heart, and here comes the enemy marching woof, like lord of the rings armies <laughs> you're like you're trying to focus on the the libation but you there you, you see him? <laughs> is prayer gonna work okay pour out another one of those pour an extra one the philistines we got them all in one place now boys it's great. They've all gathered here. You know, Israel's enemies are saying that they love the fact that many Jews are returning to the homeland because then they can have them all in one place to blow them up. I think that's what the Philistines were thinking. Hey, we got them all here. This is great. That's, maybe they thought that there was an uprising. I don't know, but Samuel took... A suckling lamb, nine, a nursing lamb. You couldn't offer a lamb that was under eight days old, according to Leviticus 22:27. He took a little lamb and he offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel. And the Lord answered him, but I want you to see, you guys, libation's gone out, the lamb's being sacrificed and the enemy's marching. And this is quite a scene. In fact, this is a picture of the gospel. We pour out our hearts to God. We repent of our sin. The Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How appropriate that a lamb is being offered right here, but the enemy's right there. And the question that has to be on the hearts of the Israelites is, is God going to rescue us? And this is the question I think we all have with the enemy of sin and death and the armies of Satan. We wonder, is God going to rescue Is Prayer enough? Is the sacrifice of this lamb enough? Is his blood enough to save me? And the answer emphatically is yes. Yes and amen. He is the one who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so it's something like this. Just, I think, as the lamb's being sacrificed, the people are watching. Samuel sacrificed the lamb, but they know the enemy's coming. It does seem to be the case that you get serious about God. We had a young man a few Sundays ago. He gave his life to Christ, and I said, Hey, here's what you need to do read your Bible. You need spiritual food. Pray. Fellowship. Share your faith with others. And oh, by the way, expect attacks this week. You're like, what? What? <laughs> The other stuff sounded pretty cool. Read your Bible, pray, fellowship, share your faith. Okay, and expect what? Yeah, you have an enemy that's on the prowl, and I told him a little bit about that. And here this scene is: the people are getting serious, and the enemy's marching. Now Samuel ten was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. So here's here it is. Game on. What's going to happen? But the Lord thundered with a great thunder. I want video. On that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were routed before Israel. Now here's the irony. Baal was supposed to be the god of thunder and lightning and weather. They've dug up artifacts of Baal and he's holding something like a lightning rod, and sometimes he's even standing on a bull. That's what the connection, I think, to the bull. And he was supposed to control the weather, and if you appeased him, you got good weather and rain. And what's the Lord do to defeat the Philistines who believe in Baal and Dagon and all these other gods? And there was mass confusion. What? <laughs> I don't know if this was like the bell in your gong gonging in your head or whatever, but God does this. He confuses armies, Exodus 22. 20- Three, Joshua 10, he confused them. And as the people of Israel are just standing still and looking upon the sacrifice of the lamb, the Lord's taking care of business. He thunders from heaven and they're confused. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength Ascribe to the Lord, glory do His name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And look at this. 1 Samuel 2 verse 10. 1 Samuel two ten. When Hannah prays, in response to the Lord's blessing her, Hannah's song, she says these words, First Samuel 2, look at verse 10, those who contend with the Lord will be shattered, against them he will thunder in the heavens, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth, he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed, back to First Samuel 7, and we'll finish it, verse 11, so the Lord thunders, he deals with the enemy, and he can deal with your enemies, he can. He can deal with your enemies. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan can't touch you, First John. I think it's chapter 5. Look, the Lord's in control. He is sovereign. We don't have to fear. We have the God of heaven and earth. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah. I don't know if they marched while it was thundering, but it would give me a renewed confidence if my God was thundering from the heavens and the Philistines were going woo-hoo-woo woo, it would give me I would be marching with a little bit more spring in my step. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean when you got him backing you up, what's gonna go wrong? He's already got these people dazed and confused. All you gotta do is blow them over. Hey, Mr. Philistine. <laughs> That's it. See, with God on your side, if God is for us. And he was because they had turned to him. People often say, What side is God on? He's on his side. And the key for your life is to get on his side. And if you're on his side, you'll experience the victory. And the men of Israel, they were marching, maybe while it was thundering, they had to be looking at their buddy going, This is cool, man. And they pursued the Philistines. These are contrast to what happened in chapter 4. They ran in chapter 4. They got, a bunch of them got killed. Now the Philistines are on the run. And they struck them down as far below as Beth-car. Then St- Samuel took a stone. He set it between Mizpah and Shen. And he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Uh, Ebenezer has the idea of God as our help. And... This this significance is simply this. He took a stone to remember the victory. And this is something that we see like in the book of Joshua. Stones of remembrance. Markers to mark victories that God has done in your life. We don't do that very well in this culture. But if God has done something significant in your life and there's a date attached to it, mark it. Put a memorial stone. Remember it. Pass it on. And so the Philistines, 13, were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Now, the the Philistines will come up again in this book, but as Samuel was the judge, the Philistines stayed away. They stayed away from the the cities, as it were. And the cities which the Philistines had taken, and I think here they had taken the border areas from Israel, Israel, were restored to Israel, from Ekron even to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines so that there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, indigenous peoples. They had peace within and without. There were no threats coming at them from the Philistines and the indigenous peoples in their own lands were also at peace with them and God had brought them peace on every side. Think about it. 20 years of turmoil. 20 years of life with no God. God's on a shelf somewhere and all of a sudden now you repent repent. You open your life to the glory of God. And what does he do? He just defeats all your enemies just with the sound of his voice. Get away and don't come back again. What are they going to do? They're gone. Some of you have, you know, you've experienced this directly. You had some wicked stuff going on in your life. You called on the name of Jesus and he's been faithful to deliver you. See, repentance often leads to full restoration God says I will restore the years that the locust is eaten now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life he was a faithful man a good leader and he used to go annually on a circuit to Bethel which means the house of God and Gilgal the first place that they camped after the Jordan River crossing and Mizpah which has been mentioned and he judged Israel in all these places he's kind of like a circuit judge he he was the leader of all these, and he would go around to these locations. Then his return was to Ramah. That's his house or homeland. For his house was there, and there he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Father, thank you for this chapter. Uh, we want to be people who respond to your uh, prodding in our lives. You know, this great scene of the lamb being sacrificed as the Philistine armies are marching on Israel, is a reminder that the victory is not won by military might. It's not won by horses and chariots. The battle belongs to the Lord. And the way that you won the ultimate battle for us is you became that lamb, that lamb that is pictured in the Passover, that lamb that we will celebrate just here in a few weeks once again as we look at Passover and the feast connected to your resurrection. And that's how you won the victory. You were the lamb slaughtered for us. The lamb who shed his blood. The lamb who took the wrath of God for us. And you defeated principalities and powers making an open spectacle of them by the cross. And we are so grateful to be in that finished work of the Lamb. With your head and heart bowed, if you don't know Jesus tonight, maybe um, you've been trying to live in both worlds. You've had idols weighing you down and God's been saying turn and you've been doing some half turns. Then just take that full turn to Him. Remove the things that so easily entangle and He'll pour blessings upon you. You'll be free. See, as a Christian, what we want is freedom, true freedom. And that's what he offers. He doesn't want you weighed down by idols anymore. So if it's you, if you need to rededicate your life or give your life for the first time, it's something like this. Pray it out loud if it's you. Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died for me on the cross. Thank you that you rose from the dead to defeat my twin enemies of sin and death. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin and trust in you and you alone for my salvation. Lord, thank you for this precious church body who comes hungry to grow in their most holy faith. May you bless them with just deeper levels of freedom, deeper levels of joy, deeper levels of peace. May your healing waters flow. May they minister to a hurting heart tonight someone who needs a physical healing tonight, someone who may just be a bit poured out themselves and needs refreshment. Lord, we know you want to minister to every heart and we know you alone can meet every need. So as we cry out to you during this last song, may you touch, strengthen, build up and cause us to walk out of this place stronger than we were before. We love you and worship you. In Jesus' name. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. My friend, my brother and sister, here you are listening to Christian Radio, and I don't know if you regularly listen to this program. If you do, I'm grateful, but if this is your first time, I just want to say welcome. My name is Michael. I'm a pastor, but I didn't grow up dreaming of being a pastor. I'm just a man who was saved by the grace of God about the age of 20, 21. And and, and the Lord impressed things like this on my heart to return, to repent of my sin, to remove the foreign gods, to direct my heart to serve him. And you know what, he's been so faithful. And it's not always been perfect and it's not always been easy, but he has always been the consistent one. And he is faithful to his word. This is Living Truth Radio. My name is Michael Lance. I'm one of the pastors at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And Living Truth Radio is an outreach ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We are a listener-supported ministry. And we just want to tell you that we deeply appreciate your prayers and your financial support. If you can support this program, we deeply appreciate it. You can give uh, to this ministry through our website. The address is livingtruthradio.org. LivingTruthRadio.org. Click on the donate button if you can help us out with a one-time gift before this year's out. We'd appreciate it if you can be a monthly partner to help us expand Living Truth Radio's reach. We'd appreciate it. We're on multiple stations, but we're not everywhere we'd like to be, nor are we everywhere where the Lord has opened a door for us. We want to walk through open doors, folks, and this radio ministry can expand, but we need more partners if. If this radio ministry has been a blessing to you and you can, and you want to jump on board to let other people hear Living Truth Radio and the the way we approach the scriptures, think about it, pray about it. And as the Lord leads, don't let this be above, uh, don't let, let this be in place of your normal church giving, but above and beyond. But um, if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. LivingTruthRadio.org is the website. Hey, there's a lot of other things available on the website that you can check out and you can navigate your way on that as well and so just want to tell you on behalf of those who work on living truth radio oscar santa cruz shane lance helping us out today we appreciate you listening and we will catch you next time on living truth radio